Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Heritage G, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Hello. And Gabriel Nassif. Hey, everyone, what's up? Well, 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 have we got an exciting episode today. Not only is it episode 100 of Midweek Metagame, but it is also up, coming up to Worlds. As always, Gab is competing. What a surprise. We're going to be getting to a bit of standard. I don't know if Gab's going to be reveal his deck list, but for all the Worlds competitors watching, I'm sure he might do so. Listen till the end. Um, and we're going to be getting to some modern as well as any testing that we've also done over the past week and uh, get into a load of other stuff. I can't lie. I haven't really played much magic over the past few weeks of university. So it's going to be an interesting episode. But before we get into anything, as always, the podcast is brought to you by uh, Card Market. For those who don't know what it is, it is a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. It can be dex boxes, sleeves, singles. You can sell stuff on there. You don't even have to do stuff Magic the Gathering related. It could be Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, whatever. Go check it out. They're amazing. They sponsor the cast. We all use their website, cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu. As well as, if you personally would like to support the podcast... You can support us at patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. You get access to the Patreon Discord. Loads of people have been chatting lately. It's been sick. People have been asking us about plays, what we would do in certain spots, asking us about their deck list, etc. Come join the conversation. Um, and yeah, go support us there. No pressure to do so, though. Anyways, uh, like I said, though, it is Worlds coming up. Gab, my throat hurts. So, you know, I'm, I'm a tad bit sick, but why don't you take it away and uh, tell us about Worlds? Yeah, Worlds is this weekend, 16 players, um, lots of money, lots of pressure, lots of, I don't know, excited, anxious, the, the usual. I just submitted my standard necklace last night. I tested was Ely Cassis, Matt Sperling, and Jan Merkel, which is kind of a lot, you know, it's a quarter of the field, but we, we tested together this year and... We had the option to either split two and two or just all stick together. And we decided to stick together because there wasn't a ton of time and felt like there was a lot of work to do. So, yeah, Worlds, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It, it doesn't, it feels a little different, right? It's potentially the last World Championship. We're playing it from home. Um, there's also like a little less pressure money-wise because we're all guaranteed an appearance fee of fifty thousand dollars plus last place of five so that's 55 and i mean first is still an extra 70 but um i, I think it, it's it's good though especially since we're playing from from home and it's a little different but uh yeah i don't know we'll see um yeah so, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh the testing process i know you can't reveal what you're playing but uh, there's been a lot of conversation on twitter recently about at least two cards that uh, seem to be you know showing up in large numbers and having a large impact in the metagame that's elrond's epiphany and a seeker's chariot why don't you talk about like kind of where you started your testing process what are you trying to beat and maybe just some 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 things you learn along the way about those two decks yeah exactly there's been a lot of talk, you know, the classic, we're not even a few weeks into the new format and people are already talking bands. And um, yeah, we, we started testing. We we played a bit. I um, One of the first deck I was excited about was a, a werewolf deck. Um, I started it was Red Green Werewolf. I added white for Cathari was actually... It's funny, we, we got traded by Brad and it was Corey Boymeister who, who played a bit with a list that had basically a, a white splash for the Brutal Cathar. And, um, That's the Banisher Priest Werewolf from the new set. It only exiles creatures, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, I played that deck and I, at first I was playing these red-green decks that had the Sentinel, the 1-2, the and Magda kind of remnant of the Past standard, and I wasn't super impressed. Something was off. Felt like maybe it was a little too much air. Was that Innkeeper and Lovestruck Beast? The, the, the one two's not as good anymore. And um, yeah, I started playing that Naya deck. And that deck I kind of liked because every card felt impactful. When you played against a control deck, it felt like they had to kill every creature. And Brutal Qatar just shined against you know everyone. 
even against control, at least it's a threat. Sometimes it, it comes into play as, you know, the werewolves or free, free first race. So anyways, they were always good. So I was like, okay, this deck's actually doing well against control, doing well against Epiphany, and I'm assuming it should be good against Monogreen, which was kind of the, the you know, kind of one of the deck to beat. And, you know, why would I not be, be good against Monogreen? I'm, we're the same deck, except I get Bristled Qatar and Sideboard Burning Hands and more removal if I want to, but... Yeah, I, but you, you don't get one mana terminate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then I realized that doesn't matter how good Cathar is, you know, the consistency of the green deck and what Blizzard Brawl brings is you just couldn't match it. So as as all bummed. So, you know, we're, we're starting to, to, to look into green and the, the magic online challenges happened actually the last weekend, you know, there, there was back-to-back Saturday, Sunday, the same list one, pretty much the same 75, two different players. And it was Streamline Mono Green was four Lotus Cobra on two, which was not a card everyone was playing. And uh, four, what's it called? Unnatural Growth. It's a five mana enchantment, four green and one. At the end of each combat step, your creature is double in power and toughness. It's a hell of a mirror breaker, really. Yeah. And... Yeah. And that card was, they were not playing Ren and Six, they were just playing that card instead. And, you know, Ren and Six had felt a little underwhelming, and that card that card was really good. So we started playing the green deck, and it just felt like the, the deck didn't, didn't really lose too much. We were playing it against, you know, our control brews. You know, I was kind of liking maybe blue-black control for a bit. At hopes for control, you know, we tried blue black, we tried Esper, um, and it, it didn't matter. The, the green deck was just so consistent. All gross troll was such a nightmare, and um, yeah, it, it didn't care. It had Ranger's class, it had Ren six. The, the enchantment was was tough. So we yeah. um, there's just a lot of threats in those in those green decks. They're just so hard to interact with. Like chariot bringing multiple bodies, you know, Ren and Seven if they have it, just you know, threat plus planeswalker to deal with, and then yeah, the you know, put top it off with faith, faith, uh, faceless haven, and yeah, you mentioned all growth problem as well. There's just so many, so many resilient threats in that deck that it's, I, I've had a hard time with control decks on the ladder as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have you have the mammoth for consistency. The creatures are all nuts, whereas it's rangers class or. Um, werewolf, the, the free free werewolf that draws cards. Chariot obviously is is one of the best cards in the format. So yeah, that deck was doing well. It was kind of weird because throughout the week, watching people stream and people talk a bit about standard, you know, obviously none of the players qualified for worlds were were streaming or or sharing anything, but just watching streamers and people talk about standard, it didn't look like that list of green really caught on you know whenever you saw someone play the the green deck they usually still had red and six and we were curious to see what what was going to happen you know we were doing our own work on our side and we we're curious what was going to happen in the the star city tournaments because they had the satellites and then they have the ptq on on saturday or is it even sunday anyways i think it's sunday so we're, we're wondering like is is that green deck really going to kind of stay under the radar and then satellites came main event came and you saw green put up insane numbers just ridiculous win rates um and epiphany started off the, the blue red deck started off okay but then um you know the green decks just team rolled them the, the blue red decks just did terrible and that was kind of what we we found out in our testing that i have i have not been impressed with that blue red deck i i think that you know looking at the results of the weekend kind of matched my intuition as well it's like yeah, things have to go really right for you to beat the green decks. The green decks are so aggressive and consistent. I'm I'm honestly surprised that. Well, no, no, no. Sorry, I'm not surprised that people ignored um, Magic Online results at least early on. There's always like the standard challenges. I always see the, you always see them. They fire with like you know numbers in the low 30s, and it's always the same people every week playing them. But you have to assume that the people grinding grinding standard the standard challenges on magic online are like pretty committed and always looking for an edge on the competition and on the competition of people who are really quite invested as well. Cause like no one's playing that standard casually on, on magic online anymore. They're playing it because they're like 
think they can get an edge in that format and like you know turn it into some kind of like material reward you know if you're just going to fire up and like a noodle around like you're just going to like you know play it play the sunday challenge for fun you're doing it on an arena essentially you're an arena player in, in terms of like your your magic magic on your digital magic experience so yeah I, I always wonder like what to make of those of those challenge results like are the lists like super tuned and well refined or are they like targeting an inbred kind of metagame what, what do you what do you think about that sort of like are they, are they like targeting a small pool or are they yeah yeah they... i actually don't know it does feel like sometimes the the magic online metagame challenge is different than what you see on arena what you see high on the ladder etc so maybe it's kind of the player pool they have you know you have someone like logan who's just going to find a deck he likes and do well with it every weekend and play the same list for you know a two month straight and top eight every challenge. I, I feel like I feel like Logan's almost in the kind of like Shota category of like people whose like deck list you see do well and you're like, I can't copy that. <laughs> There's no way that I can imagine if I could pretend to replicate your, his results. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. He he definitely uh, he definitely overperforms. Um, but yeah, we were in that weird spot where we were hoping, you know, maybe green would stay under the radar somehow. And at the same time, even if it did stay under the radar in these online tournaments, was it under the radar of our competitors? You know, where were they at? Where did, you know, everyone realize how good green was? Um, and obviously that's all from our perspective. Maybe we, we got it wrong or maybe we totally missed something um that that hasn't showed up in online or that we haven't figured out in our testing you know maybe someone's gonna show up with some 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 build of a deck so i'm not saying this is you know the, the truth but just our perspective and what our thought process should we start preparing for the green mirror should we find try and build a deck that beats green because we we build a couple decks that that were beating green but it was it was somewhat extreme you know so so what should we do? Should we should we just kind of play green? Should we play these decks that that beat green but are maybe not great against the turns deck or not not great against you know control decks? Is is anyone actually should we just play green and hope someone shows up with a blue black control which is just going to be a great matchup or you know if you don't if you don't if you, I think if you don't build your your deck with green in mind in this format it's it's really hard to beat the deck so. Um, and then, you know, the weekend happened and Green just literally crushed. Simon Nielsen won. The, um, the PTQ was kind of the, what what I what we thought was probably the, the, the better build of Green was the enchantment. And he actually had run in six in, in the sideboard. But, um, you know, list pretty close to, to, the, to the challenge list from the week before, to be honest. And, um, and then that happened and, you know, you got to think, you know, what, what are other competitors thinking? Are they kind of already locked in and that's not going to change much? Or are they like us kind of waiting to watch that tournament unravel and kind of maybe adjust their decision or even, you know, change change the deck they want to play or maybe they hadn't realized green was that good and now they see that and they're like, huh, did we, did we miss something? So it's so weird because it's such a small field and... You know, we're a quarter of the field, so there's only 12 players left. It's, it, it, you know, do you, you try, do you like try to, yeah, it, it was interesting. It was really interesting. And um, how far between the results of these SCG events and Decklift deadline was it? So the deadline was 9 a.m. So the, the turn ended at not too, too late. Probably there was probably like nine or 10 hours left after that tournament ended. That was the same day. But you already had the, t the the trend from the eight. There was eight, there's eight satellites, and I mean it was all green all the way. On Sunday, actually, there was a mono white deck started doing well too, but had really good, yeah. good results actually. But I think white is just an under probably an underdog to green, so it's kind of tough to justify playing white over green. Yeah. I think this mono this mono white deck uh, won the side of the won the Sunday challenge on Magic Online actually. Mono white with four battlefield raptor. Yeah, which is, for the uninitiated, is a one-one flyer with burst strike for one mana. 
is a one-two flare. Yeah, that card's kind of whatever. I think it's the the worst of the the twelve one drops, but the 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 ward one's kind of cool with small and stuff. I, the Raptor's also fun. Yeah, that, that list was pretty solid, and it was pretty close to what VTCLA had played. He had posted a screenshot of a five league a few weeks ago. It was a very similar build of white. So I think that's maybe a deck people are going to show up with. I, I, I doubt it. I feel like if you're going to play one of these aggressive decks, maybe you just play the green deck. But is, it, is it not... What advantages does white deck have, do you think? Is it good against the green decks? I can imagine, like, Maul and Skyclay is pretty powerful in that matchup. Yeah, Maul, Maul can be decent. I think it's slight underdog. Whoever has the, the play has a huge advantage, I think. But um, I'd guess just Blizzard Blizzard Brawl and your better creatures still take the, the cake. Because sometimes yeah. you just play your creatures, and if you don't have everything, your your creatures just get blanked by one of their 4-4s. And you can't attack anymore, and you're just sitting yeah. there with a bunch of. Yeah. So if you're flipping coins, why wouldn't you play the deck that's like ahead in other matchups? Yeah. The, the the thing is about the white deck is that I guess it can maybe dodge removal if people are playing decks with four burning hands in their main deck, and yeah, mostly that you know if you have if your main removal is is burning hand, maybe you have you know a pyre, a demon bolt, few other removal spells for smart command, but. You might you might look silly against someone uh, playing turn free. Uh, what's it called? Adeline, I think, the one four that uh, gives you an attacker. You know, they have these four toughness creatures: Redane, Adeline. Um, you know, Burning Hand still serviceable. It kills their one drops. It kills Aspirant and Adversary. But you know, if you, the the, the four tough three four toughness creatures could be a problem. So I guess that's that's an angle. Also, find the white deck to be a much better faceless haven deck. Faceless haven is good in the green deck, but you don't activate it on turn four ever. Pretty much, you're probably losing because you don't have one drop. So if you go two drop, three drop, attack with haven, it's usually you, you usually not what you're trying to. So you want to activate later and even later in the game, since your creatures are expensive. You have more expensive cards. You you're usually better off playing spells. Whereas the white deck is a really really good faceless haven deck because you know you go one drop two drop three drop activate haven or um, yeah the the, the uh, activation of haven is like typically at its best on those turns like just before your opponent's going to have access to wrath though and that's like a kind of turn four turn four or turn five uh if you're on the if you're on the play versus uh burning down the house so like I, I, obviously faceless haven is just a really 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 powerful magic card and like you know all these colorless creature lands have demonstrated that they are always at the top of the format uh in stand in particular like you know mutavolt being the, the obvious example beforehand yeah yeah and it's a great 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 card like it doesn't have to be yeah obviously it's better in, it sounds like it's better in mono white overall but it's, it doesn't have to be very good in mono green for it to be still be sick yeah 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 another thing that kind of that's hard to you know how 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 are we supposed to adjust is a week ago Green was, you know, it was like green and epiphany decks, but mostly it was turns was kind of the, you know, the the, the epiphany decks were the the blue various blue red builds were seemed to be kind of the best decks because people were still playing these snow decks. It was kind of all rock paper scissors where you have green that's decent against maybe the turns deck and then turns deck that are good against the snow decks and snow decks that are good against the green decks. But I feel like green kind of free rolls a bit that quote unquote rock, paper, scissors, because it it beats like it like crushes all the random stuff. And even against the snow deck, you know, I you know the enchantment changed a lot against a deck like Black Snow. You went from Brennan Sick, which was pretty good, but the, the enchantment was kind of a nightmare. It was you know it feel like a rock, paper, slayers, but slanted towards green and and at first we were like, well you could play these these mid-range files to be green, but then you you know, you're like not even you're like maybe 60, 40 against green, but then you're going to be like 20 percent against blue red. And since it's worlds and, you know, we like kind of the blue red type of decks, you know, Jan literally qualified with blue red. Typically, I like, you know someone like Depraz uh, loves the control deck. So I'd be up his wheelhouse. You've got, I believe it's Mori, um, who, who, who was kind of the 
the the the the Chinese player who qualified for the 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 challengers guideline, I think he was the one who kind of innovated that list was the um, the seven mana saga, the blue saga, the blue red deck. Pure best of sea god, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just gonna ask you, sure it's not Yuki Yuki Ichikawa. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you had to. But uh, yeah, so, you know, he, we, I mean, there's literally two two of these players who qualified for Worlds was a blue-red deck. And, you know, it feels more like, quote-unquote, a pros deck than something like mono-green aggro or mono-white aggro or soupy mid-range piles. So are you going to really play a mid-range deck? To be just green or mostly green, hoping none of these 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 guys show up was you know turned so it was weird. But then you get the data and you see how how good green is and how you know how bad Epiphany is against these aggressive decks. And you gotta think these guys are the best in the world. They're not just gonna show up with blue red because it's blue red. So. It was it was it was really it was interesting and we we honestly don't we don't have the answer and we'll see when people what people show up with. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to see if there's something we missed. We we have a deck we like. I said on I said on my stream today that we're you know, I asked my teammates can I talk a tiny bit about the deck without seeing it, you know, seeing much and they said yeah and I said that we're not playing a stock deck, you know. It's gonna be something that you know, you haven't really seen do well, so we'll see if, if maybe we... we can continue seeing it not do well. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, I'm interesting to see if you know people some of us show up with blue red or people are on kind of the level one green because it's so good and they were like, well, green's so good. I'm just gonna hope people show up with. You know what else are you gonna play? I mean, at one point in our testing, it was like what I was. I was probably on our team the biggest proponent of the green deck for a while. I was like, why would we play anything else? You know, like it's if people show prepared, we're we're a slight dog in the matchup. But then we're like, if somehow they don't, yeah. But then it yeah. was it was I a little harder like, to to ignore the evidence that how 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 good green was and that the, the spots we just free roll with people making people deviating from anything other than paying attention to green entirely yeah <laughs> free roll all the spots so but yeah that that was um, <laughs> that was it was it was interesting it was and i'm i'm really curious to see what i feel like people are going to show up with you know some some somewhat weird stuff uh, or some yeah i don't know we'll see it feels small enough that it can get pretty weird i think yeah who knows? Who knows? Yeah, because not only does this feel small, but it seems that you know we have a team of four, and I think the Japanese, the three Japanese pros out testing together. I don't know if the two other Japanese who qualified for the the gauntlets are are teamed up, and then you have PV and Sam party, and you have Straska and Sifka. Then I think you have Seth and Arna and Gio who are kind of lone wolves. But um, I, I do have an important question for you, Gab. Who have you picked as your champion? For the the world's the world's gauntlet, I picked that. Um, I picked my champion. I picked PV. He was, uh, you know, he he was my champion last year, and I was uh, I was right. And he he's my champion this year, and I hope I'm wrong. A classic hedge. I like it. If you don't win worlds, you at least get a trophy on the arena client. Yeah, I mean, if I had to bet on someone i think i would have bet on one of my teammates but it was it was not only did i hedge against myself you know but i hedge even it was my team teammates you know i extended that reason to my teammates yeah i think that's i think that's perfectly reasonable and sensible really so last worlds i guess um potentially last worlds at the very least uh yeah i i, I don't know how to feel about this at all points in time i was saying this before the cast that it's kind of insane to think that there might not be another Magic World Championship. And like, from the minute that I've played Magic or learned about tournament Magic, there's been a World Championship. Like, I heard about the World Championship, and I was like, oh wow, that's really exciting. <laughs> I just maybe it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, it's not. What do you think, Harry? You think it's going to be the the last World Championship ever? I mean. They're definitely setting themselves up to uh, have a boardroom talk and be like, well, this world championship did so badly, so why do another one? You know, I feel like that's what it seems like is going to happen. I mean, I, I, I didn't know when the exact date was. Obviously, I knew it was somewhat soon because Gab is uh, 
and talking about testing for it, but I've been so busy with uni. You know, I do scroll through Twitter every now and then. I haven't kept I have kept up with some stuff, but uh, never saw any tweets really about Worlds apart from people picking their champions. So I feel like they should have definitely promoted it. You know, I feel like when um, like Dota Ti or whatever comes around, I always see ads on YouTube for that, but I haven't really seen any ads for for Magic. And obviously, I'm a Magic related customer on YouTube. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like it probably will be if numbers are low. If numbers are good, then there'll be another, I feel. Or maybe, I don't know. I find it surprising though, that they're burning a lot of cash, right? If they, if, they, if, they, if they don't respect the pro scene anymore and they're not really trying to make that cash actually go anywhere. I feel like they, they've, they've, they've ponied up most of, the, most of the money that they cut from the world's pool again. So they're kind of like, they've, they've, they've paid out on that a little bit. They haven't like paid out the 2.1 million or whatever that went missing from like the the overall prize structure of like the pro circuit for that year, but they at least made their made good on their million dollar worlds uh, commitment. I mean, yeah, it, that's that was just them honoring their their promise and their commitment to the prize pool. But I agree that there's probably not gonna be a lot of excitement around these worlds because of what led to it. You know, the whole disenchantment was the the system, the OP system. But uh, I think the, that's kind of a bad point of view to say, oh, if the numbers are bad, they won't have one again. Because they know, I mean, they've got to know the numbers are probably not going to be great. I mean, who knows? Um, the but, numbers haven't been great for like 18 months. Yeah, so it's kind of, it would be kind of disingenuous to, to like base your, your future. Like they, they, we have already talked about it. There's been so, so much lacking in execution and... And it was nice for a change for this world. It's the first time in in months, in years, really, that maybe the first time in the history of the MPL that we play a somewhat fresh standard. Yeah, mm. I, I was gonna say this is like the thing, the tournament that I'm most excited for. Not just because you're like you're qualified, obviously, but like because it's just new and I'm not. Even even though like in some respects, like you know, Twitter makes this standard format seem stale. I think I think knowing that what you're playing, I'm kind of excited, and just just the possibility that something exciting can happen in a format that's like, you know, two weeks old or whatever is that's, that's where the excitement of the pro tour has, had been for so many years. I just remember tuning in, you just tune into so much yeah. and like wait with bated breath, basically for, for people to like, you know, uns to, 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 to play their decks in round four of the PT after the, after the rounds of draft. Yeah. It's just such a big deal for so long. So I have a question then how, you know, how many average viewers do you guys think the, the world championships uh, sorry the worlds is gonna get uh 10k 10 10k yeah 10k i mean they've been getting five was the the set championships and stuff they used to get like between 20 and 50 thousand for pro tours like 40 to 50 thousand maybe on the final day on the top eight so i it, think it, we need to assume that they're going to be on the front page of twitch because twitch love to have world tournaments on their stuff so i think that will inflate it a lot. It might might have that, and also if if the decks are cool, maybe you know if it's a sea of mono green, and you know, that might have an impact. But if there's there's draft too, people people I think they did it a good job last year was draft, and mm. that that could be cool. I mean, some people like that, but it's it's still like kind of new standard, and I think there's still a little excitement around this. You know, we 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 sh we're showing up was. Something a lot special, so that can make a difference. I think and... that you you hit the nail on the head, actually, Gab. I think that a lot of the a lot of the tune in rate, especially for kind of like relatively enfranchised people, is going to be driven by what happens at decklist announcement. Like if they go, here are the decklists three days in advance, which they've been doing recently, kind of like you know at least a day or two beforehand, you get the lists. Yeah. With a metagame breakdown or whatnot. Uh, the metagame they're breakdown they're doing the list on the day of. No one's. We're not going to know what. Right, like okay. other people absolutely on the day. But will they do metagame breakdown? No, I doubt it. Oh wow, okay, all right. So yeah, I mean, that's, I, actually, that's, I mean, that's I, actually probably even going to drive viewer count up higher. I think it might be kind of like word of mouth after round one when it's like re revealed that like, you know, these people are playing this deck and these people are playing this deck might actually just push it, push, push in franchise viewers back into the, into the thing. But I think I think I'm going to still go for my line at 10k. Yeah, I think I think it could get to 15 or 20. I'm gonna say average about forty thousand. Forty. 40. Yeah, I wow. think. I, yeah, because um, is, worlds last time, worlds last time peaked at at hundred k. No. Yeah. 
when PVD. Yeah, but it was Worlds in Hawaii. It was live, and it was it hadn't had that that extra like kind of pretty bad season. Of... Yeah, we didn't have two years. Oh, of, it's like, not Malay. in person. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be like tw- yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go lower twenty k. If it wasn't if it wasn't person, I think there'd be way more. Even though even though it's like on arena still, I think being in person on arena is way more likely to. Yeah, and it's, it's it's a better show and stuff to see yeah. players players live commentating. How can live. how can you discount the value of you guys walking out between some small fireworks? <laughs> true, true, true. So okay, yellow hat. Is... Uh, sorry, uh, day day nine announcing your announcing your arrival on stage. Oh, and there's going to be editing problems too. Imagine they accidentally skip a whole like game. Oh my gosh, you know what I mean. How they were like skipping games. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, they've had a lot of technical issues. So. Oh yeah, no, nah, no more than twenty k. I'd be surprised more than twenty k. Yeah. All right, we'll hear it here. There's, there's the pessimism. Harry, <laughs> yeah. how, did you, did you watch any of the kind of like older format worlds? Like, I mean, not like old old formats when it was just like a pro tour, but any of the kind of other small field ones. Like, you obviously watch a bit when PV won. You're watching before that, like before the arena, before the MPL. My first world that I watched was the one Huey won. Huey B. Javier Dominguez. I watched that oh, one. Oh, man, that was so good. Watched... Huey just head in hands for hours. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. I watched that one, I, and I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing, the one where Javier won against Gregor Kowalski in the finals, and then I also watched the PVDDR one. So, And I watched all of them all the way through. No, no, no. I didn't watch the PVDDR one all the way through. Yeah. But the paper ones, both of them I watched all the way through. Yeah, they, I, I have very, very vivid memories of the Huey one where Huey, Reed, and Owen were all playing that um, that, that team or energy deck. And I just remember, what, yeah, just spending a lot of time watching watching that one. That was kind of like, what, 2016 or something like that? That was kind of right around when Gab started streaming as well. Yeah, 2017. That was actually the the only small field words that ever really that I really ever got into. Just because Huey was doing so well, he was just running the tables and crushing everyone and playing so well, and it was featured a lot. It was it was great to watch. But ever since they changed it from the the big big size worlds to small, and I mean part of of it is I wasn't qualified anymore. It wasn't. It never really caught my interest. These these small field tournaments. Um, I always thought it was, I don't know, kind of lost a bit of the magic of the big field where, you know, anyone, you know, can be like a random that can win or someone you've never heard of kind of. And there's I no... did love the, I loved the, I loved it being a kind of like a PT that was three days. That was kind of a cool, a cool thing, like three day Swiss PT. Yeah. Back, back in the, back in the days. But I, I will, I will defend the, the smaller field ones. I remember getting pretty, I remember watching the Shahar, the two Shahar wins. Uh, I can't remember watching Manfield win. Um, so yeah, I, I've watched almost all of them really, and yeah, I have pretty fond memories of those. But I, I do like the kind of like the original, you know, when we had like the the, the team worlds going on on simultaneously as well, the, the team event going. I have I remember um, one one year the Australian national team made the top eight at least or top four I think it would have been of of the team worlds, and yeah. I got up at like two or three in the morning and watch them punt it away. So, <laughs> I was so yeah. mad. I, I guess I'm a sucker for a fairy tale story, you know, an underdog story. And I feel like it's hard to get great storylines when it's just the 16 best players in the world and one of them's going to win because, you know, it's yeah. whereas... It feels kind of prescriptive. I, I, I guess you're right. Like, yes, yes, these are all like, like, you know, elite players and they're all really really good and it's good it's kind of cool to see like which one of them will prevail but when you get to that point of eliteness like the variance of magic kind of almost comes back out again and it's kind of like not that unreasonable for anyone there to win whereas you i don't know it feels kind of like when someone comes out of a big field and like they're like really good like oh that person's dominated this field like they played they must have played so much better than their competition today or whatnot even though it's yeah, probably they get the same good breaks or whatnot it just feels so much more exciting either watching someone good rise through a big field or watching someone random rise through a big field and kind of have a sick weekend yeah whereas these ones kind of like yeah any of these 16 people is a perfectly reasonable person for me to expect to win a tournament at any <laughs> given time yeah also just from a deck deck perspective right also your prize payouts reflective of, <laughs> of of the that that probabilistic likelihood of winning like you basically all get paid the same amount of money <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, I, for me, it's the, also the, the deck, you know, there's like less deck diversity and you don't have as, you know, it's like, can be a little almost inbred metagame or something. So it's, it's a little different. Yeah, less reflective of like a, of, of the metagame at large, or like a, you know, something you might go into like a challenge or play on the arena ladder or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely can say the thing that I love about um, other games is that most of the time every match matters. However, in Worlds, right, you have so many rounds where it's like one loss doesn't really matter that much, right? No, do, that's do not they true. still do do they still do like 16 round was it like 16 17 L- rounds or something L- it's gonna be 10 rounds this year last year it was a, a pretty cool format where kind of every match matter it was like really important to do well in your draft and then after that there was things some people were directly playing elimination matches and whatnot so oh, that was that is the really really kind of like oh weird kind of convoluted format They've changed it. They changed the way they do these online tournaments uh, structures so so many times over the last year. Just trying to find something that sticks. Yeah, mm. I feel like that world was really strange. It was it was weird, and it came, it made really high six matches. But I also waited. You know, whenever you have these uh, in Magic, anyway, whenever they've tried these structures, then you have all of a sudden matches that are way more important than others, and that's not great either. So it's hard to find the right balance, but. This year, uh, no, this year we're playing 10 rounds. We're playing three rounds of draft and seven rounds of standard. And then the playoffs are in standard. But I'm not going to lie. I'm not even sure what the, the cutoff is and how the, how the playoffs work. They've actually, one of the things they've done recently is made a pretty reasonable effort to eliminate those matches that don't mean anything in these smaller field events where they have like, you know, if you make X wins or whatever, then you just don't play anymore. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that's happening in this one. And I think Harry's right. Like, in some respect, he's right about the kind of, like, matches for nothing going on in Magic, which are kind of have in the past been amplified in these small field events where, like, it's you have 16 people playing, there's only eight matches, but three of them, it's completely irrelevant. Well, you have, you have group stages doing these yeah. these big tournaments. Well, some, right. of, was, some of the group stages the matches thing. don't always matter a ton. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing, like where like in TI or like League of Legends Worlds, like you play these group stages and like, yeah, like SKT or whatever is like, you know, four in their group and they play their fifth match or whatever, like who gives a shit? <laughs> like it doesn't really matter if they win or lose or the, or the person that played the bottom of the bottom of their group wins or lose, it doesn't matter. But I, I guess uh, yeah. we just watch so much magic that we that we see the, see the good things and the bad things. I just love um, pop-offs in, in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Oh, not Super Smash Bros. Just Super Smash Bros. series. Sorry, you're going to have to explain what the hell you're talking about. Like, uh, in the, in uh, in most fighting games, they're like, most of the time, they're double elim. And they show always show, like, the lower bracket so that if they lose, they get knocked out. So whenever they win, the guys are like, yeah, let's fucking go. And they're, like, cheering on with the crowd and shit. Oh, it's it's so funny. When like they get a sick combo or whatever, but I feel like in Magic, when like Kai Buddha wins, he just like straight face just like nods to himself or whatever. Like it's just a different kind of esports environment. Which um, I, I always feel like Magic got this kind of golf vibe, right? Like it's like yeah, you can kind of like maybe you can pump the fist and celebrate a little bit, but then like it's all about polite claps and kind of keeping this kind of like yeah, sophisticated, not sophisticated, but kind of like reserved demeanor. There's the famous like, incident, the, fam- the famous version of that is PP sideboarding after winning the Pro Tour, right? <laughs> like on yeah. camera. I mean, he's oh, not yeah. the only one, but yeah. I mean, you're you're kind of still, you know, you just played ten match, you're still in. Yeah. Gab, yeah, would you pop off if you won Worlds? I don't. I don't know if I would pop off, especially at at home, but <laughs> I, I'm sure some emotions. Jeez, so, come on. The f- the f- when I. One of the first big tournaments I ended up, actually the first big tournament I ended up, I won. And at this like a regionals tournament. And at the end of it, like I, I win my final match. I'm like, cool, all right. I'm like 18 years old or something like that. And like someone who's like, comes up to me, he's like, this, this guy's just like top 32 worlds away. He's like, you're supposed to be excited now. What the hell is wrong with you? I'm just like, I don't know. What does this mean? Like, what am I qualified for? <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> I think the worst thing I've done is like, I, I like got excited that someone multi five at a PPTQ. When yeah, I was nice. like 17, like they were it. like, I'm going to multi five. I was like, yes. And I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> I, um, and, I, I, and I won. I played, I played FNM for the first time 
uh, in a while. Well, this weekend. I played two rounds and then I went home. But I played um, my first round I'm playing against this guy and I mulled a five or whatever. He's like, oh, that's such bad luck. And I just absolutely rinsed it anyway. It was great. And at the end of it, he didn't make any comment about the five cards. And I was like, I'll just keep that one to myself. The worst <laughs> thing I've done is uh, my first FNM. I was playing a mono green electrostatic pummel and standard, and the guy, ironically, mono green. But um, my first round opponent in game three milled to five, and like we kept kept both games. Game three, I keep seven, he milled to five, and I'm just like, ah, oh, I feel so bad. If you want, you can scry two, and then he scries two, puts both on the bottom, and then wins. And afterwards, <gasps> he was like, yeah, yeah. Afterwards, he was like, yeah, I kept a one lander and bottom two spells. <laughs> I was like, oh, brilliant. Oh shit. <laughs> Okay. Um, oh, whatever. It was nice of you as FNM. Yeah, I just turned, <laughs> I just turned too murked out of my opponent. That's what I did. Oh, I, I've been there, though. You, like, they multiply, you already feel sorry for them, and then they just beat you anyways. Yeah, I hate that. That feeling stings. They're just, but they're just fair, dredging they when it's like, running. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen often, but when it does happen, it stings. Okay, life on the line at the end of this episode is going to be, is Worlds going to happen again? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know yet. I haven't. I was thinking about it. And I haven't made made up my mind. But I've. I mean, the world's. You know, the the pro tour and world's big part of it. You know, it's been all. You know, almost my entire adult life. And yeah, you know, I remember seeing the the deck lists, the first deck list from the pro tour, and you know, the French Magic magazine, and then I got to play on the pro tour and. I Just, well, I was 12 years old and I was playing. I played like World Championship, like the recurring Nightmare Survival of the Fittest deck against my friend playing like Beulah Blue or whatever, like those World Championship decks on like the yeah. floor of my friend's like living room. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember the names, you know, the Leon Lindback and George George Baxter, I think, and George Baxter. That's a throwback one. These the prison deck and the, also the Necro decks. The, I don't even remember the pro trip was like 95, 96. It was, you know, it was, it was so long ago. But in, in Worlds, I've, I mean, personally, to have like, you know, I've had a ninth place first first in, in Berlin. I, and that was, that was, that one kind of stung. But then I, I had the Paris Worlds. I had some, you know, some, some really, really good memories. And in Paris was kind of surreally. I just didn't have a deck for the for the third day for extended, and I got a deck list from the Italians via Antonino De Rosa. In the morning of, I was scrambling for cards and thought I was not going to find my cards in time. But then the tournament was delayed because there was problems with the subway, so I was able to find cards. That's great. Actually, and I was actually I remember I got cards from like my friend handing me the cards and he's like, oh. Craig, Craig, uh, their Craig's card, and I just assumed Craig was going. And after tournament, I go back to give back the cards, and it was Craig Kremples, and he was he gave me he gave me shit because we had not we didn't give him our deck list. We didn't want to share deck list with him, but then he still lent me the card. Anyways, it was it was like you know home turf at the it was at the Louvre. It was in a room at the Louvre. This is the friends. first time they did the, like the Worlds plus the GP same weekend. Is this the one that Retail Top aided both of them? No, that was a pro tour. That was pro tour. Oh, Paris. that's right. That that was pro tour Paris, where where it's like the Corblade pro tour, right? Yeah. 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 Cowboy pro tour. Yeah. Yeah. And then the year after that, it was you know Dragon Storm was the semis against Chapin, and um, you know in, in 2010 I, I didn't do well, but it was the year I was inducted in the Hall of Fame in Japan. Uh, my my mom came. I flew my mom out, and that's sick. Yeah, I I got the the Hall of Fame. That was like the kind of the Hall of Fame curse, like people never doing never doing well in in the tournament where they get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I think someone broke that curse at some point. Maybe it was maybe it was Antoine. I don't know. But it used to be that the, the literally no one ever everyone just ever always bombed out the the tournament and got inducted into Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then the the, the small field is a bit different for me, but there's still some. You know, some some the 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 Shahar back to back and Huey. I mean, my that's my personal favorite. It's you know Huey winning, um, and you know they've they've announced the arena championships for next season, and they said they're come up with a robust system for 2023. So, I mean, you got to think that if that goes well, at some point they might, you know, we we might get a world championship again. No, I don't I don't I know. Think- I think the, pre- the the likelihood of worlds happening is quite high. 
I mean, it's it's too easy of a, a tournament to run. I mean, you cannot invest a huge amount in kind of organized play and say we're still having a world championships and we're going to find some way of qualifying for it that 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 you know makes makes a reasonable amount of sense but you don't have to run this kind of like all year round pro tour thing i was actually i probably mentioned it actually a couple of episodes ago one month a couple of months ago when they did they made like small announcement in like maybe august about kind of like you know upcoming sets and then like the return of like store championships and stuff like that for like in-person play and i i honestly think the most likely thing that they build new op structure around is um is like a kind of regionals nationals worlds star thing but not like worlds like world championships but like more like world cup stuff yeah. but i can imagine that becoming the world championships again or whatnot that would make sense because i'm going to say it's hard to, how do you have a world championship if you don't have a pro scene but that that structure you're talking about kind of world cup where you know maybe it's not as prestigious because it's more of like you know one shotting regionals and kind of spiking yeah your way to to worlds but i think yeah. that's the, the most likely kind of form that it, that it takes I and mean, you say it's less procedures and I, I, I recognize that and like as someone who's kind of like you know strive to you know be as good as i possibly can be at various different points in time playing magic like i understand the kind of that winning a pro tour is basically you know an old style pro tour is basically the cream of the crop you can't do much better than that um this and i'm not I have this small amount of kind of like, well, not even a small amount, it's kind of like small desire to have like represented Australia playing, playing magic or like magic world champ at the world cup. And I'm not even a nationalistic person. Like I really like, I think Australia is a shitty country and like generally like not, not the greatest place on earth in kind of like, it's not something I'm proud of being from Australia, but like, you know, there was something about like being able to say that the mom and dad, like I'm going to go play for Australia or whatever that was kind of, pretty exciting to me like i would always i turned up to like all the nationals i was qualified for and including one where i didn't uh i wasn't qualified for that didn't go so well i played all the dub all the world magic cup qualifiers i could it's like yeah there's a lot of yeah wait small, you were on the australian of, national team like for the world cup what was that did you ever play for australia in the no world i never cup? did i really wanted to though oh okay, even though okay. like i don't have like you know I, I would i don't feel patriotic in any in any real way but I, that that was something that I kind of really wanted to do, mm. and I was the, when they when they took it away again, I was pretty kind of like, all right, maybe it's never going to happen. Hey, maybe who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll represent England one day. Mm. Yeah, that's one thing. I never I never play had the chance to play in that because I I went to the last um, nationals, but I just played side events. Is that the one, the autumn autumn one? uh yeah yeah two in a row i think autumn Autumn won two nationals in a row yeah yeah they're pretty they're pretty good (laughs) yeah it's both autumn is pretty good and there's like so many fish in the uk probably including me (laughs) yeah i was gonna say Um, i I don't i can't name a huge number of like i think it was someone terrified of someone double magma sprayed a hazard or something on the top table i was watching it was like there was that Someone like, and this was like round like round fourteen as well, or something. Um, what else? I saw someone. Was it Chromium? Was Chromium the one that you can like discard a card to 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 counter something? I swear to God, Chromium is a card from like Plane Shift. Chromium the Chromium the Mutable. Discard Chroma- a card Chroma- until oh, end of turn. Mutable. Okay, nice. All right. I thought Chromium was a card from like Plane Shift. Sorry, with like domain or whatever oh that was it discard a card it becomes a one one with hex proof and it can't be blocked yeah and i and i saw a guy just with one card in hand trying Vraska's contempt it and it was like a control mirror and i was just like what and like like i was like oh the life totals must matter and they were like it didn't i i was just <laughs> i love watching top hey, tables look, i mean like People have, the one thing I've learned, like I, I mean, I don't have a, a massive amount of experience playing Magic in very all over the world, but I've played probably more open events in various different locations than Gab might have, because you're know, playing PTs only or whatever. But people are like GPs and stuff like that. This is really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, it was, Magic plays not great. Yeah, it was Nationals was always not. You know, it wasn't the toughest tournament. You always, 
Yeah. The, the regionals. Yeah, you, ha- you have like the top 50 qualified, the top 75 qualified on rating, and those people are usually pretty damn good. And then like there's a whole bunch of like feeder fish who come, come from yeah, regionals. In France, yeah, exactly. In France, I think most countries had regionals and you could qualify to national for regionals. And yeah, national was, yeah. I mean, you, we've said it, everyone said it. It was, it's pretty much everyone's favorite tournament because you get to see you know, people from your country that you don't see very often. And it's, it's such a special tournament. So, you know, uh, someone, maybe, someone in chat's actually asked me to shout out two-time Estonian national champion, uh, Oliver Ox, who's actually an Australian, but was led the Estonian national team two times in a row, and I just want to shout out Ollie for being a legal, <laughs> a legal loophole scape kind of guy. <laughs> He's one of the probably the most hated Estonian man of all time. <laughs> wow. I actually, have, I'm gonna. This is the most biggest tangent of all tangents. But so this, 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 this guy Oliver Ox is a you know, Australian match. He represents Estonia twice, and he's on coverage actually one time playing with Estonia, and he's got like Khan liberated in play. And he doesn't have dice to like to represent the loyalty counters. He has like a, a handful of loose change from his pocket, and he's just like pouring coins on the on the table to like tick it up to like fourteen or something like that. And coverage is just like, what the hell is happening here? And it just cuts away from his match, and that's like the only time he's ever been on coverage. And I think it's amazing. I keep looking at, I look for that video all the time. Wow. Anyway, I I I heard the f- actual funniest story I've heard from nationals is the actual is, funniest i suppose that's not funny this is actually like the most interesting i'm gonna try and tell it correctly it, it involves swedish nationals so my friend uh david bagstervold i travel he's in a, a lot of my vlogs and i've traveled a ton with him he he's played on the swedish national team but what's interesting is Joel larsen i believe the way teams worked is two of them were the finalist the finalist and the winner right and then the most uh pro points that's uh that's how the kind of most World recent Cup iteration worked, right? of the World Cup stuff worked. So like you had the kind of nationals tournament and then two finalists plus um plus the the you know most pro points. And before that it was the most pro points plus three World Magic Cup winners, qualifier yeah. winners. And before that it was just top three at nationals. Yeah, and like yeah. three and four played off for the third slot. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, basically, Joel Larson obviously had the most points for Sweden, and then he also won nationals. So the invite, well, obviously, Joel Larson can't really get two invites, right? It makes no sense. So it had to be passed down to, like, third or fourth. So David, my friend David, he was he lost the court, uh, the semifinal, sorry. So he had to play. They made him play after... You'll oh, they, they, had another, they had another. Yeah, yeah. Playoff to like make see, yeah. see if they can get your slot. Okay, yeah. David, I, I feel won. like that might have. Nice. That's great. Yeah, I feel like that might then... have happened in um in Australia once actually when Jeremy Neiman was kind of uh, at the top of his game, where I think he was like you know, the only legitimate pro points owner in Australia, and I think he might have won nationals one year at the same time, and it, and it passed down. But you you would never have heard of Jeremy Neiman. He might have yeah. made the, he might be the greatest player that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. So. This is where it gets interesting, though, because my other friend, I'm not going to say their name, and I won't say the GP because I don't know if he wants people to know, but um, he made a top eight of a GP, and Yol was in the top eight. And it's something like, if my friend wins the quarters, David doesn't go to the World Cup because, and he played against Yol in the quarters. If Yol wins the quarters, he gets enough pro points to be the leader. But if Yol loses the qu- quarters, then Yol doesn't have enough points and he has to take his Nationals win. So, uh, and Yol wanted to split, right? So Yol was like, let's split because of, I don't know, because of their deck choice or something. And then he was basically like, well, if I take the money and and the advancing into the semis, then I'm knocking out David or I can try and play and see see what happens. It was really interesting. I'm, I've messed up because it was too complicated. It was something to do with like if Yol wins the quarters, then David doesn't go, and someone else goes. And then um, if 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 uh, Yol wins, then David goes, and obviously Yol won. It it was sick. It was a really sick story. I wish I could tell it better. I heard it ages There's, ago. Magic magic is littered with these kind of weird kind of like 
disparate kind of outcomes from like random matches that don't seem like they matter at the time but like they've had these weird implications yeah it's the same with like the, all that stuff that goes on at like round round 16 of the pro tour right I, where, like, I, I, yeah i had an insane bad beat story with these world systems there was a year where i think that started to do the system where most pro points um you know is like the good captain and is joined by two 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 players from nationals and at the end of the season raf and i are tied and in that case, there's tiebreakers. And I think the first tiebreaker was whoever had most PT top eights, and neither of us did. And then I think second tiebreakers was most GP top eights or something. And basically, I had had, you know, I had played pretty much no turns besides Pro Tours. I think I had two or three tops, Pro Tour top 16. Yeah. And Raf had. Raf I think it was, I think it was top. I think it was top number of uh, highest PT finish. No, it was no, the no, next no. breaker. It wasn't. Okay. No, no, no. Sorry. It was. It was top eight. It was GP top eight, and I didn't have. I mean, I didn't play GPs. I think maybe I played one or two, but I, I didn't have a GP top eight, and and Rav didn't have an individual GP top eight. He had a team. He had a team's seventh place. So technically, he had a GP top eight, but it was team. So really, he was like, <laughs> you know, there's like. 18 players ahead of him so somehow despite me having like sick pt finishes like two or three top 16 pt finishes i got out you know outranked or out tiebreaker by raf's seventh place in the t- in the team gp i was and i was uh, i was bitter about it i was like you know it was a land back then i was tried to argue i was like you know it's kind of ridiculous what what a weird system like sevens and no i mean no one says I've top eighted a team GP. You know, it was like top eight for individual tournament or top four. There's always top four. That was the the, the playoffs. You know, for for team GP. So it's, it made no sense. Yeah, and, if someone if someone told me they, they top eighted the team a team a team GP, I'd laugh. And they told me they came seventh, I'd laugh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not you don't have like a quote unquote top you know GP top eight. It's, anyways, and it's a sort of it's, it's the sort of top eight that's on the account if they didn't have a GP top eight. Yeah, so at the time I was really frustrated, but then I was, you know, still playing a lot of poker, and it was world was happening. I think after, right after the WSOP, or right before, and I wasn't be able to test much anyways. And so after a while, I was like, well, maybe it's not so bad that it's Raf that's representing France, and I, I think that's the year they ended, they ended up winning. So it was, yeah, you know, it was sick. kind of. <laughs> It was kind of all good in the end, but I remember I was, I was so 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 upset at the time. It's definitely a dirty little like dagger, though. It's kind of like yeah. that counts as a top eighty for some reason. Yeah, I'd be so so. Mad. But yeah, so many good stories, and you know, hopefully, hopefully we get that back. Even not for me, but for other you know other players, next yeah, generation, exactly. and people who've never had a chance to really you know compete in these tournaments or not as much of a chance. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't expect the pro circuit to come back in any in any shape or form, like re- re- representing the old one. But I do expect there'll be some kind of, I mean, world's just, sort of thing going on. Just do it well, whatever you do. You have so much, you know. You have a clean slate. You have, I'm sure, tons of potential. Even look at the the picture champion. People love that. So many people, you know, tweet at me about it, and people in chat mention it all the time just do cool stuff and it'll you know like if, if they try and people love that pick your champion thingy yeah, because, i mean they love they love little animations on uh, on arena is that the prize i think it's the prize last year was a, tro- a, a pet trophy and maybe a few extra things um i don't know just you know just do something good and it'll work you know kind of simple but like simplistic way but I think there's, you know, anyways, enough rambling. <laughs> I think I'll miss, I'll just miss Worlds if it doesn't come back. That's all I'll, I'll I guess I'll, I'll end on that. I think, I think that I won't miss it, but I think that it's going to, I like your idea that it's going to um, come back in a different form. All right, so are we are we are we doing it? Are we putting our our life on the line? I think so. So life on the line. If po, why am I saying poker? If Worlds is gonna come back, 
if there will ever be another Magic World Championship after this one, or if this is the last Magic World Championship. Okay, well, for those who don't know what Life on the Line is, first off, it's a theoretical tournament. Okay, okay, I can't follow the script here. Theoretical coin flip. <laughs> it's a theoretical event where if you're right, you live. If you lose, you die. <laughs> and this question this week is, uh, is Worlds coming back? So I'm going to start it off, and I'm going to say... No, because I assume we're talking about this traditional like sixteen to twenty-four players and uh, draft and and. Well, uh, we're talking we're talking like an event called the Magic World Championship that's Ooh. recognized as such. You know, that has the legitimacy of. Okay, we should, yeah, let's let's spend a little time hashing out the parameters. I guess, like, do we are we are we going with Harry's Harry's kind of model of small small no, small worlds invite be, only? It has or to, it's like... to be kind of called the world championship or something very similar and be legitimate not like some guy running his uh his uh, circuit you know and calling it the world championship yeah. was we're not we're not counting the card market world championship <laughs> yeah exactly Shout out okay. to card market sponsors. i am gonna say yes then because i feel like worlds is like the most casually known thing across all games right if you're a casual the first thing you do is type in worlds really if you want to watch pro play yeah i i agree with you i'm i'm with you i especially think i'm with you if they if you're willing to include the kind of world magic cup style you mm. know representing your country style world championship as well if that's what becomes it becomes as well i just think in some form it has to come back if magic is to continue i think it comes back that's the thing though is you know did is is magic or op as we know it kind of over and they kind of lost peep too many people along the way and you know i don't know i'm honestly not sure i head or heart yeah you know there's a lot of new games something you wonder if uh, my my heart obviously says yes but my head i'm, I'm not so sure if had to bet money on it. Um, I don't know. I, I'm hoping for the best, but I don't know if I have the greatest of expectations. All right. Here's 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 a little bit of a a, a thing to make to make it easier. If there was never a Magic World Championship ever again, would your life be worth living? <laughs> what? What? It's life on the line, right? So like you could just say like, yeah, oh. I think there's a World Championship coming back, and if it's not, well, then it's done. It's about the journey, it's not <laughs> yeah. about the destination. But the friends you made along the way, so friends are still here. Okay, before we end off, I guess we should do the Price is Right on Card Market's website because we do appreciate them sponsoring the podcast. I've got a uh, what card should we do this week, though? Azekas Chariot. As, no, I was going to say the new Teferi. <laughs> okay. Is it a mythic or is it a Yeah, rare? of course, of course. It has yeah. to be a mythic, surely. It doesn't okay. have to be, actually. Hey, look, this, this isn't War of the Spark, man. There's no uncommon planes we'll see uh, okay, right, let's do what? it. Let's do it. Okay, just all say on the ca- everyone got their price ready. Uh, I'm not even sure. It's I mean it's got no, it is a mythic for sure. Yeah, mythic, the fairy, not playable. All right, what I got my price even... ready. Okay, three, two, one. Twelve euros. Six dollars. Actually, I was gonna go eight. I was like, no, eight is too too okay. expensive. The card's really not good. What is he even called? To fairy what? Who sunset? Who sets? Who sun, sets the sun? Yeah. Sets the, who know. slows the sunset? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Ten amazing. euros. No! Oh wait. Price Brilliant. trend is twelve. What did you say, Pat? Twelve. 12. Wow. Obviously, no, the cheapest English is ten, but the price trend is twelve because it's inflated. I think we agree that price trend is the only way. I'm just seeing mono tens here. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just say we're both winners, and Gab is the only loser. <laughs> yeah, Gav, what, uh, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, you can you can find me uh, competing in Orals this weekend, twitch.tv slash magic. Ooh, okay. You can find me... Spend the crap to support Gab. That's what I was about to say. You can find me spamming crabs in that chat. Honestly, you can't really find me anywhere on the internet right now. Folks doing university, busy with that. I guess you can find me on Car Market's Twitch stream every Wednesday and YouTube every Monday. What about you, Pat? You can find me in the Twitch chat watching Gab Play Worlds and uh, also being thankful that we've all made it to 100 episodes and thanks for listening. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of crazy, 100. Not bad. Yeah, that is actually quite insane.
Um, it is. We did it. We've done a hundred episodes of Discuss, and I think that's sick. Not very many podcasts make it to hundred episodes, and I'm glad we. I'm glad we did it. And thanks yeah. everyone for listening. Seriously. I think we've actually accumulated like a hundred and fifty thousand plays as well, which is pretty sick. You're all so, fools. Every every all one hundred and fifty thousand of you. I think I calculated it's like three thousand years worth of us talking has been listened to or something <laughs> in total. So I feel like that's a good enough impact on this plan. I can die happy. Yeah, fantastic. Well done. Yeah. World is not coming back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I actually have somewhere to be. So uh, if you made it this far into the episode, thank you so much. As well as if you've been a long time listener, the funny thing is we should have the longest listener listening right now. I would presume. So thank you as well, whoever you are, you know who you are. And I guess uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Take care, everyone. Good luck, guys. Thanks. <laughs>